You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I am your humble host, the consummate professional, the provider of the people of what they want, the number one advocate for the trade gronk movement, and once said, Alvin Kamara wasn't worth the first round pick, Peter Rogers, joined by some of the guys, we got the builder of the Dion Lewis bandwagon, Mr. Independent Drinker, the champion of doggos everywhere, and the man who single-handedly destroyed the Jaguars season's cleric burns uh and along with him the master of sources headboard aficionado jimmy graham's cornhole partner and future ring bearer aaron Rodgers and danica patrick sweating jordan smith how are we doing this delightful uh wednesday evening doing great pete doing wonderful doing wonderful I wanted to start the podcast off with something that I recognized I failed to bring up on Tuesday's show, despite the fact that this news broke on Monday when we were recording it Monday night, so really it would have been the perfect time to talk about it, but a little delayed. Um, I wanted to start the show pouring some out for Stan Lee, who passed away on Monday, and just, you know, giving credit where credit's due, Uh, and this is something that I I uh, said to Twitter, but I I will... Pose, the, pose it as a question to you guys because um, the impact that he had uh, is, can't, be, uh, can't be understated and my question to you guys is, is it, has there been anyone uh, in recent history who's impacted pop culture more than Stan Lee has? I don't know about uh, uh, impacting pop culture because I feel like that's maybe, maybe this is just my own personal preference but somebody who like affects positive change in a really tangible way i mean this guy really just put really great characters into movies which is great um but you can't understate how much he impacted the modern blockbuster just based on uh his universe some uh some people have tried to duplicate it to mix results looking at dc and others have just haven't even been able to get something off the ground despite the fact that they wanted to in terms of um, having like this connective universe. I mean, if you think about the uh, that horror universe that they were going to start oh, with, yeah. Tom <laughs> Cruise's <laughs> Mummy and things oh. like that. So yeah, he definitely, I mean, his impact has been felt over the past decade in terms of movies and will continue to be felt for the next couple of years because these movies aren't going away anytime soon. Uh, hats off to the man for doing everything that he did. I know that he's well-loved, but I feel like measuring your impact on pop culture is like a pretty low bar for kind of changing the world. Fantastic entertainer, good writer, showman, like not taking anything away from him. But, you know, like I give first black president more kudos than, you know, Stan Lee. 
It's interesting because I did see uh, I did see something because I do think I think he also yeah maybe pop culture is not the best way to judge one's impact but I think he had also a very large impact both in, or in the characters whom he created um, and it was interesting I was watching a interview with him because obviously a whole bunch of these have been pu published out now that he has uh, passed and there was a conversation with him about uh, Spider Man <clears throat> and the interviewer was just like. Oh, Spider-Man is one of the few superheroes who's, you know, covered head to toe and, you know, you can't see any of his face. And Stanley was like, yeah, it was something that kind of was a beautiful thing that uh, was not at all intended, but it allowed the reader to kind of imagine or view yourself despite your race or uh, gender, see yourself as Spider-Man because there was nothing defining Spider-Man as a white man, um, which I thought was cool. Granted, maybe not gender because that suit was pretty tight. And so you would have noticed whether or not Spider-Man had curves. Uh, but there was Spider-Woman, I think. There was definitely a female venom at the very least. Um, but that was interesting. I thought that was cool. I thought that that was a cool little thing where it's like creating, creating superheroes that uh, had a broad reaching, uh, broad reach. Yeah, Gwen Stacy took her turn as Spider Woman, but I completely agree with you. There is something to be said about Stanley and Marvel as a whole that these characters and the stories they created weren't just superheroes, but like there was always a bigger underlining message that they wanted to have, whether that's X Men and you know being considered outsiders or like an allegory for civil rights, like that's something that can't be understated. You might not realize it as a kid, but those kids that are reading comic books back in the nineties are us now. So, um, I, I think it's pretty important. Yeah. So respect to Stanley and everything he's done, pour some out. Uh, he certainly will be missed. And I can promise you that in Avengers four, when just before the credits roll, they're like dedicated to Stan Lee, uh, that whole theater is going to be in tears, including myself, just weeping uncontrollably. Probably also because some superhero will also have died. God damn it, they're going to freaking kill everyone off. Um, football time, because we do that on this podcast, as always. Start with a whole random tangent and then bring it back. Uh, we'll be talking week 11 starts in sits, everyone. Um, and we've got lots to get to, so let's just jump right into it. I'm just now realizing while I'm in the midst of uh, introducing this that I totally forgot to make a lock this week. So that's going to be um let's start with the shit shows as we always do and we'll start with the number one shit show this week because it's something that i've started deciding that i need to uh nominate because we need more things nominated on this podcast that's the oakland raiders at arizona uh clark you have this game what can you tell me other than start david johnson yeah i mean it's always hard to tell with these this is the worst game of the week games because it could be nine to six or it could be 28 to 25 and we have really no idea how it's going to turn out but this is really just kind of playing the numbers so like you said david johnson of course but i'm going to start doug martin too oh, okay. i i don't know if i i probably failed to mention this we are actually recording this in front of a live studio audience so oh okay now we're going to have feedback on our starts and sits this week and you i wondered who all these people were exactly. uh, Exactly. It's a live studio audience. They'll yeah. either, they'll either uh, agree with your pick or maybe they'll be a little more harsh. Yeah. Cardinals have been terrible. So let's get our, even though they're terrible Raiders in there, I think Derek Carr is a good spot start this week also. And that's it because this game's going to be terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
we'll just move right along. Uh, we'll move to the next shit show, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New York to take on the Giants. Uh, and my play for this week is uh, I'm going to say sit Mike Evans. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone as he's been a nominee on You Help No One for the last two weeks. He's finished wide receiver four, like a wide receiver four, not top four wide receivers, but like below the first 12, below the second 12, below the third 12. That's where he's been finishing four out of the last six, uh, six games. The Giants have allowed the fewest touchdowns to wide receivers, only allowing six, and they've only allowed two touchdowns to number one guys all season. Thanks to Janoris Jenkins, who's actually still quietly a pretty good cornerback. Um, and so that to me is just like, why, why would you up again where you put yourself in a situation of starting Mike Evans who's underperformed the last two weeks and going up against a strong defense don't put yourself through it put him on your bench and start someone who you have more confidence in this week I really like the supportiveness of the studio audience it's hard to get away from Mike Evans with chucking it up to everybody Ryan Fitzpatrick back there but bold call I like it so go ahead Jordan uh, I was gonna say I have Mike Evans, I believe, in the RB1 league. And I've been consistently setting him as the flex. Let me just check this. Um, yeah, I've been consistently setting him as the flex because otherwise I have Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. And I'm like, well, I can't not start Mike Evans. You know, he's got to be in there. But after I left about... The uh, live studio audience didn't like you bragging about what receivers you <laughs> Well, sorry, studio audience. It's the RB1 league, and everybody has a good team. Um, but after I, I left uh, like 20 points on the board last week with Mark Ingram, and Mike Evans has been single digits the past two weeks and only 10 points and 23 points in uh, two of the last five games. Otherwise, he's just been kind of up and down and this quarterback fluctuation is just hurting his production. Yeah. Speaking of the RB one podcast lead, I am setting myself up beautifully to absolutely crush everyone during the regular season and then lose in the first round of the playoffs. Really looking forward to it. You know, what's happening. And then we're going to whole long segment about it on that week's podcast. Uh, yeah. The Mike Evans in the flex. I'm not against it. It's just, it's just a, it's a don't rely on him this week. Don't make him your wide receiver one or wide receiver two. If you have great wide receivers and you're like, hey, let's throw Michael Mike Evans in as my flex and I'm not worried about it, do it. But don't expect a big game out of them. Uh, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers at the Detroit Lions. I This is a shit show because the Detroit Lions have just been a hot mess this year. And uh, I know Carolina's been kind of hit or miss recently, but I feel like they're going to get – they're going to write the ship. Maybe I'm wrong. This could – turn out to be a decent game but nonetheless it's a shit show in my book uh jordan who do you have in this game pittsburgh against carolina last week thursday was shaping up to be a good matchup but ultimately it was just a disaster all around and that's why i think cam newton bounces back this week um after a pretty embarrassing loss i think Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Um, I, I think Riverboat Ron and the Panthers come out a little bit more hungry this week. Um, and, you know, what better team to feast on than the Detroit Lions, who are currently 30th overall in defensive DVOA, 31 against the pass, 25th against the run. Um, 
so I think, you know, even Christian McCaffrey is going to have a pretty big day, but I would even look at all the other pass catchers as possible starting options because uh, Detroit is dead last against wide receiver ones. We saw how Allen Robinson just carved them up last week, uh, 27th against wide receiver twos, and then dead last against other wide receivers again, uh, 30th against tight end. So Greg Olson should have a better week than last week. Um, according to ESPN, the Lions have let up 21 points per game to QB since week six. But this is my first lock. I am locking Cam Newton in for a solid 30. Damn. Yeah, despite the Panthers not being great last week, I managed to play against Christian McCaffrey in most of my leagues. So uh, I thought they had a you know, pretty good outing. Uh, wow, their offense is rolling. Yeah, the, the Panthers looked really good until they just got hammered by the Steelers who seem to do this every year. They kind of look bad and you wonder like, have they crested? And then they just come out and blast, you know, Ben Roethlisberger with his five touchdown game that he right. seems to have each year. Uh, I think that the Panthers get back on track against the lions too. So I really like your call of big game for cam and the lions, the cautionary tale of we have a new coach. So things are going to be better narrative. Uh, Jordan, do you have any thoughts on, I know that the Panthers defense has been lauded in the past as being a very strong run stuffing defense, um, but against the Steelers, they couldn't really muster anything and, and they seem to be kind of downward trending a little bit. Do you have confidence starting carry on Johnson this week or are you kind of like, nah, don't touch that Detroit offense. I'm just relying on the Panthers this week. I guess if you don't, I mean, Kerryon Johnson has been putting a pretty solid number since he started being the bell cow. Um, you'd like to see him get a few more touches. I don't know. The, the way they're using Theon or Theo Riddick, too, is that they're using him as like the de facto yeah, he's just uh, poor man's golden tape, basically. So he's not really taking anything away. I would still start Kerryon Johnson just for the fact of, LeGarrette Blount isn't taking away touchdowns anymore, and Theo Riddick is basically a slot receiver now. Not that I have Carryon Johnson in any of my leagues, and am not wondering whether or not I start. I just don't know how you get away from him. I mean, is your team so good that you're not flexing him? I have, I have a lot of good running backs in my league yeah. and one of my leagues, and so it's always kind of like a, a an interest, and it's the league that I'm commissioner of, and so I'm also really considering. So to, uh, yeah, well, obviously, yeah. I cheated to get myself in a winning uh, predicament, even though I'm like three and seven in that league. Because um, <laughs> screw this sport. Uh, it's also one I'm thinking of uh, thinking of having uh, introducing another flex spot next year to this league because I feel like multiple flex spots. Because now that I'm playing fantasy basketball, and we're doing a slight tangent here, the thing with fantasy basketball I'm quickly realizing is there's no decision as to who to start or who to sit. It's just like anyone who has a game you play on that day. Um, mm -hmm. And I like that. I feel like that's how fantasy football to a certain extent should be like, and then it puts the onus on like attacking the waiver wire well and drafting well. And so like you play all your players or most of your players. And so the decisions between like, like you were saying, like Jordan, like Ingram gave you 20 points on your bench. It's like, how freaking annoying is that? And if you just have like two or three flex spots, suddenly now it's a little less stress of like, oh, I benched, you know, I started the wrong person this week and more of like, hey, pat on the back to me for picking up Mark Ingram or drafting him or, or you know, picking up, uh, you know, DJ Moore for his one, you know, huge game, whatever it is. Those guys were just off the top of my tongue because we were talking about those teams. Um, so that's, that's, I'm starting to, I'm starting to lean towards the trend of, of more flex spots so that the starts and sits become less 
um, detrimental if you sit or start the wrong guy. Yeah, the I feel like the less members in your league you have, maybe open up another flex spot. But if you're at like 14 members of the league, I would just kind of keep it at one. Someone start like, I don't even know, the third string running back for some team as as a flex. Uh, I mean, I would even float the idea next year of like, hey, let's just eliminate team defenses or uh, something like that and just add another flex position because – I mean, really, what is the point? I've, we've been on this tangent before, or at least I have. What is the point of a team defense anymore? There's like two good ones, and the rest, no matter how good they look on paper, just always get scored on. So, Mark and I were talking about that on our solo podcast. We were talking about having the getting rid of team defenses, but having defenses be able to flex in. So you don't always need to start a defense. But if you have a particularly juicy matchup, you throw your defense in your flex. That makes sense. I mean, because you want to start the Bears, of course, but then also there's no other defense that's scoring as much as them. Well, except for whoever plays against the Bills, except for the Jets, who somehow managed to give you minus three points. Uh, let's move on to the If I'm Bored games. Finished up the shit shows. that They were done. They were stupid. They were worthless. Uh, <laughs> we go on. And I apologize to anyone who was fans of those six teams, but come on, let's be honest. Except for Just the as, as someone whose team regularly made the shit show <laughs> – category early in the year it's not insulting to the team it's just it's just it's not an interesting game and this is this has become one of my favorite parts of wednesday because i try to cover the afc south and so i wonder how many of like how quick am i going to be done with this segment because the games <laughs> i pick usually are not the it was most interesting the beginning of the season when we were completely down in the afc south you were you had you like started off talking all four shit shows and then you were just done for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> just as Clark likes it. You uh, know what? We are sick podcast hosts. We have an addiction. We're going to be paying attention to these games no matter what. Like we're gonna have red zone up and it's gonna be on there, or we're gonna have Sunday ticket, and that's gonna be just one of the games. You know it. I will I will probably watch Oakland, Arizona, because I have David Johnson. I just want to watch David Johnson just absolutely feast on this defense Byron uh, could he win uh coach of the year let's like what would he need to do to win coach of the year right now get the card which is impossible <laughs> i think it's absolutely i don't think it, i don't think an, uh, a coordinator can win it well, wasn't there buzz for wade phillips to win it last year yeah the, I, uh, I coach of the year remember that if if greg williams wins out from here on out with the browns he should win coach of the year in a room coach of the year um, let's go to the if I'm bored categories and we'll start uh, as Clark alluded to we'll start in the AFC South the Pittsburgh Steelers are heading to Jacksonville uh, to take on the Jags and while last year these this matchup led to two very very good exciting games mainly just because Pittsburgh got uh, trashed in both of them which makes me as a Patriots fan very happy uh, I don't know if that recipe is going to play out uh, come Sunday what do you think Clark so I think both teams are going to score. Pittsburgh's defense is not that great. Leonard Fournette is back, I think. Right? He played. He's, he didn't injure yeah, himself he this week. Uh, so, I, for Pittsburgh, the, the Jaguars' defense is still pretty good. They're top 10. They're 10th for points allowed per game. So, they're not awful, but they're not what they were last year. I don't know how you get away from anybody that you were thinking about starting in Pittsburgh. I mean, I know Ben just threw for five touchdowns and he's probably not going to do it again, but it's really hard to get that taste out of your mouth. Uh, for Jacksonville, I think the sneaky start this week is I think Blake Bortles is going to give you a good spot start. 
while we're still working through the eyes. Clark is just rolling in the hate. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't hate the Blake Bortles start. People, I mean, you can rag on Blake Bortles all you want. The guy Well, he's terrible. He's but he can put up stats with the best of them. I mean, if he yeah. has like if he has a game, he'll give you 300 yards, five touchdowns, no problem. My I'm going to go on brand here for a second, but uh, the, the only hesitation I'm having with uh, Leonard Fournette, yes, he came back and he put up some good fantasy points last week. And I mean, Blake Bortles can sometimes look like uh, Sir Blake Bortles at times, but with Brandon Lindor, their starting center um, going out for the year, I think that's going to make me want to hang on to a uh, uh, running back handcuff like Carlos Hyde or TJ Yeldon. Cause I don't know how long, I mean, we've seen Leonard Fournette get injured so many times and he's only on his second year. And if there's a lot of pressure up in Blake Bortles face right up the center, I don't know if he's going to, going to handle that very well. Yeah. Your point is well made. I really had to ask, did he get hurt last week? Cause I haven't checked up on it. Uh, Fournette. So I want to hold on to Yeldon. Yeah. Or Carlos Hyde. That ever happens. Uh, <clears throat> moving on in the if I'm bored, we have the Denver Broncos heading to uh, LA to take on the Chargers. Which do we know how this is happening? Because in the actual NFL news, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Rams game, which was supposed to be played in Mexico City, is now also being played in LA. But these two teams share the same stadium. Are they like putting the Rams at a different stadium? I haven't been following this. Do you guys know what's what's going on? I know this is very important to your fantasy lineups, but I was curious. Um, I actually don't know. I think the Ra- wait. I mean, if they're playing in Mexico City, they're playing late, right? Not playing. No, they're oh, not playing late anymore. Right, so they're just playing at different times. They're playing. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, problem solved. But still, two two NFL games on this. I don't know. That's tough. That's that's gonna be a quick turnaround. It'll be one I'm of those like. I was going to say, I'm surprised we didn't talk about this on Monday's pod. Like, well, like, me and uh, Ginger Nick are always watching the game while we're podcasting, but they showed the field in Mexico, like where they're going to play. And I'm like, oh my God, that's where they're going to play. Like, it looked like they just had a rainy soccer match on the field. It was, it looked really like really terrible. It looked like the Steelers Stadium, or sorry, Gotham Stadium after Bane blew it up in Batman 3. Yes virtually i as an aside i was really impressed with the dark knight trilogy just watched that relatively recently for the first time yeah Clark, like i saw gosh. the first one when that came out and then i was like oh it's pretty good and kind of missed the other I know, yeah yeah no that it is an amazing trilogy it's the best superhero trilogy of all time but I mean, who would have thought in a country that our drug policy has absolutely ravaged, they may not have a great field ready for us for football. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a little the NFL is... talk. A little, a little the NFL is just like, we can't have our two maybe possible best teams just have all their good players start shredding knees and ankles on it. That would yeah. be. That would be devastating. The NFL would not be a big fan of that. Uh, anyways, so obviously we've settled that uh, the Chargers and the Rams are not playing at the exact same time in the same stadium. So Denver and Chargers still happening. Uh, and my play for this game is uh, sit, because I'm just on a sitting roll here, sit Keenan Allen. Which, uh, live studio audience, does not approve of, clearly. 
I'm not just saying this because that I have a uh, my Keenan Allen beer bet, and I need to keep him out of the end zone for my beer bet to be successful. That being said, my beer bet's looking pretty good right now. Uh, I still need Mike Williams to get me another five touchdowns, which is going to be I'm going to be sweating bullets until the end of the season. Um, but it's more of the set around that Keenan Allen's never been his best against the Broncos. He's played six games against them, uh, and he's averaging 4.3 catches and only 39 yards per game. And I understand pass performance isn't always the best indicator, but I do trust uh, these stats when they involve division rivals, just simply because it is a team that you're playing. You have your most games against that team, and so you have the most kind of uh, information to pull from. I just think he, in similar to the Mike Evans, where he could be someone, he, he and Mike Evans seem to me to be the most likely to appear on the You Help No Ones next week. And so if you can avoid starting them so that you don't have to deal with a poor performance from them, I would recommend doing so. I'm sorry, but it's against my religion to talk badly about Keenan Allen. I, I can't do it. They say no man is an island, but Pete, you yeah. are on an island. I am the... Uh, 33.3333% here right now. And I hope you have Wilson keeping you company. Clearly the the live studio audience agrees with the majority of this podcast. They're just awestruck. They can't they can't even fathom <laughs> the fact that I would dare bench Keenan Allen. Um so let's just move right along and skip that game because I don't want to stew in what's ultimately going to be a terrible take come this time next week. Uh, the Tennessee Titans at Indianapolis. Told you, Clark, we're knocking off those AFC South teams. Uh, talk, talk to me about this game. So I think this is going to be a fun game, at least for AFC South fans. There's a lot going on in this division with uh, Tennessee upset in the Pats last week and the Colts staying alive. Okay. Uh, so I don't think Tennessee is that good. I don't think New England's that bad. Um, anyway, so the Colts have given up uh, 21 receptions in the past three weeks to opposing running backs. So I think Deion Lewis is another go, even though it wasn't the best week for him. Uh, I know Derrick Henry got a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, yeah most fans. Uh, I know Derrick Henry got a couple of touchdowns last week, but I think they put him back on the shelf and because he's not that good and the Colts defense has been pretty stout up the middle. So getting a Deion Lewis in there for Indy. I mean, it's a huge question mark of who you're going to start at running back. So good luck. I, I've kind of tempered my expectations for my boy, Naheem Hines, who's been not really performing the past couple of weeks. Uh, Eric Ebron. Yeah, baby. Who had him down for 18 touchdowns this year. Who had, who had him better than Gronk? Did we? I think we talked about Eric Ebron as one of those players that we had to quit in the offseason because he was just toiling away in Detroit for whatever reason. They had never figured out how to use him, but the Colts just immediately were getting you double-digit touchdowns, no problem. Easy as pie. Yeah, I was actually, for whatever reason, just like not re-listening, but just kind of like skimming through that podcast where we gave up on our past lovers for for this season uh and my guy amir abdullah has been completely gone and i would have loved for a little amir abdullah resurgence uh this year but that's not happening but eric ebron has looked fantastic yeah how about frank reich kind of the afterthought consolation prize for the colts he's scheming up some pretty good plays yeah, I feel like Colts fans, you should all be pretty happy that Josh McDaniels pieced your team because Frank Reich, I think, is going to be the real deal for the next five years. Whereas Josh McDaniels, take it from a Patriots fan, he could be 
very infuriating at times. And I don't think he's a good head coach. I think he would have gotten fired within three years. Yeah, I think the Colts were ultimately saved from themselves because Frank Reich looks like the real deal. He has uh, helped out with Andrew Luck getting back on the field and putting in a very Maybe eventually he'll join us. Technology is not our friend right now. Well, I'm sure Jordan was making a good point before he cut out. It's a very flattering photo, too, that it's frozen. It looks, yeah, I, I believe Jordan's falling asleep. <laughs> Jordan just passed out in this chair. Um, quickly, while we have this break, I do also like <laughs> our live studio audience applauds for just that too long where you're like, okay, now I'm going to get back. To, and you're like, oh, no, no, they're still applauding. God damn it. I'm going to pause even longer. It's good. Throws you off the game. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh What's not great is that we're we're leaving the uh, if I'm bored, so we're entering the could be good games. But we're supposed to start with Jordan here, who we're gonna quickly check in with him and see if he's. Are you sure you didn't forget Houston and Washington? Oh, they're in the good games. Clark, uh, don't, don't underrate your team. Don't, don't. We'll just start with you. We're just gonna skip Jordan. Jordan, whenever he clocks back in, we'll we'll we'll. Hop on. Well, yeah, we'll go right to that. Houston Texans at Washington to take on the team from Washington. Clark, you are skeptical that this team belongs, this game belongs in the could be good games. But I would argue the Texans are on a whatever it is, six game winning streak. Team from Washington has had some very high highs, also some very low lows. I think this game could be actually quite entertaining. The reason I'm not optimistic about this game, at least for fantasy purposes, is that both of these teams are really content to play slow. After Washington scored 31 against the Packers, they've scored 19, 23, 20, 20, 14, and 16. They're running the ball. They're possessing the ball for forever. And Houston, <laughs> Houston's been playing good defense and their offense. It, it looks like Deshaun Watson is a, a promising rookie again. So, this game is going to be incredibly hard to call. I think you roll DeAndre Hopkins out, obviously. And I think Demarius Thomas is a start. They used him early and often uh, last game before the bye. And Deshaun Watson has shown he will just chuck it up to his big receivers. With Washington, I mean, if you're desperate, Maurice Harris has been the leading receiver for the past two weeks with 100 and, uh, 124 and 55 yards, respectively. Uh, keep in mind though, Maurice Harris led Washington with 55 yards receiving in their past game. So I think this is going to be slow. I would break ties against everyone in this game. The Texans are actually pretty decent against the run and I, and against the style of running attack that Adrian Peterson is, which is kind of a power runner. And, uh, I just, ugh. Red Zone is not going to break into this game very often, I don't think, on Sunday. Crowd agrees with your Red loves my stuttering take <laughs> for the Houston-Washington game. Uh, yeah, how, how confident are we in Maurice Harris? Because I had him as someone who I was like, yeah, sure, you can pick him up if you want to and maybe make a play. In fact, actually, I even, shouldn't even say that. I should say he was one of my must starts um, this past week because he came on so strong the week before. And then the 
Washington was taking on Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I was like, oh my gosh, come on, Alex Smith, muster something. Shoot out. Clearly, that's not in Alex Smith's repertoire anymore. Do we have, I mean, is there is there any reason to put any faith in Washington's passing game and thus their wide receivers in fantasy? Or is it something where it's like, you know, if you're if you're trying to make a pick between Maurice Harris and like Corey Davis, or uh, I'm trying to think of of uh, another receiver in like a limited passing game, like do you do you honestly think that Maurice Harris has a higher upside than some of these other guys? No, just because Washington is perfectly content to not throw the ball, and I'm really excited about Chris Thompson coming back, mm-hmm. and maybe sliding Vernon Davis in there. Like he's gonna have two more games that are good, but you don't know when they're gonna be. No, I just Washington is perfectly content to throw for 106 yards and win 14 to 12. Yeah, and I think that the trend still held true that there has not been a score change in any of their games so far this season. I don't know if that held true last week, uh, but up until last week, if whatever team scored first was the team that won the game, that there was no lead okay. uh, in any of Washington's games, which is kind of absurd. So, Clark, as a Texans fan, all you're hoping is that they just kick a field goal uh, as soon as they get the ball within you know 20 yards from the end zone. Or, and then there you go. That's the game. They've already won. Let's get Fairbairn out there and get some field goals. Yeah, let's do that. Um, quick Jordan update. <laughs> His internet backed out, and he said he's trying to log back in. Um, we will see if he is able to return and join us, but for the time being, uh, we'll move on to the next game on the docket for the could be good games, which is the Dallas Cowboys at Atlanta Falcons. Um, this is a great game for the Dallas Cowboys, whose offense is starting to kind of click, starting to be something they were looking very, uh, powerful and potent against the Eagles last week. And the Atlanta Falcons are coming off a game that they lost to the Cleveland Browns, which God damn it. I should have predicted. I have Always the person who in our in our NFL picks who's like, I'm going to pick the Browns this week. Screw it. Let's do this. Uh, and I didn't have the cojones to do it because I was like, the Falcons are just the better team. They're not going to blow this. But I should have. I mean, the Falcons blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. They can blow a game to the Cleveland Browns. So, you know. Ugh. You like that ref. Uh, so my play for this game is uh, start Amari Cooper with confidence, people. Uh, yes. My studio audience is, they're very agreeable today. <laughs> Haven't, not, not that many boos. It looks like he's starting to get his mojo back in Dallas, which is good because he's a good wide receiver. This has a recipe to me for being Cooper's biggest game of the season. The Falcons are giving up the fourth most points to wide receivers. And since joining the Cowboys, Cooper is number one in targets and number one in receptions. Um, and so since we're all about branding on this podcast, I'm going to brand this as the Amari Cooper reminds the haters why he was worth a first-round pick in the draft and a first-round pick in the trade. Or you can shorten it to, it's Arthwafta week. I'm going to make it not only the Arthwafta week, it's the Arthwafta lock. Uh, And I'm going to say Amari Cooper, oh, what do I feel? What do I feel is a gutsy call. I'm going to say Amari Cooper gets you 15 PPR points this week. Ah, Throw it out there. Who says no? Studio audience is just riveting. Studio it's audio. like Peyton's calling plays out Mindy again. Just complete silence. Studio audience didn't approve of my Amari Cooper uh, lock of the week. Anyone else in this game you want to talk about? I, I needed Ezekiel Elliott to give me like 50 in a really high-scoring league, and he got me like 48.75. I feel like 
nothing is more quintessentially cowboys than that. Than just uh, letting you down the worst possible minute. So close. So um, close. Uh, I mean, Atlanta's been horrible against the run historically. I mean, this has to be a big game for Elliott. Like, who the hell is not starting Ezekiel Elliott? But uh, do you think Tevin Coleman goes off in this game too? I think so. Uh, I know nobody can hang with Julio this game, so this could be one of those nice 300-yard Julio Jones games. That's true. That's a good point because we've been, we have been like waiting. It's, Julio has made it a trend now. This year he's actually had a, a lot more fantasy relevance than he has in years past. But he has made it a trend of having these like – once a year, just redonkulous 250 plus receiving yards, three touchdown game. And this could also be that game. This is shaping up to be, it, it could possibly be that game. All right. After some shrewd audio manipulating on my part and our producer's part and uh, fake team stats and information's part, and everyone behind the scenes peeling back the onion curtain. Uh, we've got Jordan back on the podcast, uh, and now we are going to continue with Jordan's now that he's got two games in the could-be-good games, and we'll start with Philadelphia in New Orleans, uh, and this could have been a really good game. Philadelphia has kind of looked like garbage recently, so I'm not really too sure that they're going to be a, uh, a legit contender. Pat's on the back to me saying they weren't a playoff team. Jordan, who do you like in this game? Yeah, I'm... I mean, you don't want to eliminate Philadelphia because they won the Super Bowl last year and they defied the odds with a backup quarterback. But at the same time, they have so many people on injured reserve. It's uh, It kind of feels like a wash uh, for the NFC East for them. Um, I, of course, am just taking Drew Brees back home in his dome for over 32 points against the Eagles. Um Part of that reason, what I alluded to before, is how many people the Eagles have on IR. They just lost their one of their starting corners, Ronald Darby, for the year. Um, Jalen Mills still isn't likely going to play, so that means that they're going to be starting Sidney Jones, who's kind of nursing an injury as well, and Rasul Douglas at the other corner spot. Um, if you listen really closely, you can hear Michael Thomas start to salivate already. Like this is just—I <laughs> think it's going to be tough for the Eagles um defensively but uh to put it on a more positive note on them if you're looking for a sneaky running back start i might look at wendell smallwood um new orleans is third against um the run in rush dvoa so that means that uh that josh adams bruiser that they've been starting and getting him carries um he might not fare that well but um, surprisingly, New Orleans is dead last in DVOA against uh, running backs in the passing game. Huh. So if they are, um, of course, I, I expect the Eagles to be down and have to pass it anyway. But Wendell Smallwood could be a sneaky um, good start to pick up some um, PPR points. It's good. Wendell Smallwood's good call right there. Could you use in statistics? Yeah, I saw that uh, Brandon Marshall signed with New Orleans and it started to make me really nervous about what is going on down in New Orleans. Are they sacrificing these older wide receivers so that Michael Thomas can get stronger? I think that has I think to we be got some voodoo going on down in New Orleans. I think it's Ooh, definitely voodoo. Some, some voodoo majubu magumbo. Yeah. Um, Doing some weird things down in St. Denny. That's right. That was a, a niche joke for all you Red Dead Redemption 2 players out there. <laughs> I saw, oh my God, it made me cry laughing. I saw this video about Red Dead Red Dead Redemption 2, Blah, tongue twister, of this guy who just couldn't figure out how to guide his horse. 
And so it was just it was like five different tries of him running through the forest. And then every single time he would just run headfirst into a tree and die and then have to restart and then gets back on the horse, like misses two trees, misses the three trees, and then just runs full tilt into the fourth tree and just dies. And then, oh, my God, it was so funny. It made me cry laughing. Yeah, the I don't know why, but just being able to ride horses and own horses in the game for some reason that's like the best part. Forget like the the shooting and the story. It's like <laughs> no, I got this horse, man. I'm ready to ride. <laughs> oh goddamn! Uh, Side we're eleven, all of us. Yeah, sure. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a, a cold, crappy, miserable day where Becca's out of town, which is coming up. She's I think she's traveling in the beginning of January uh, and I am planning on buying it and just sitting down and playing basically 72 hours straight of Red Dead Redemption. That's my goal. Not to get like too off track into another pop culture topic, but it's generally like a very beautiful game. If anybody's ever been to like uh, Montana or like the western half of Wyoming, it just like you see spots in that game where you feel like you've been there if you've been to those states in particular and it's just it's wild let's move on to the last game in the could be good games cincinnati Bengals at baltimore to take on the ravens uh jordan we spent a lot of time on tuesday's podcast talking about how excited we are for lamar jackson time in baltimore uh i mean we can talk more about how excited we are right now but uh, is there anyone in Baltimore who you're particularly excited about starting with Lamar Jackson under center? Or are you looking more to the Cincinnati side as to who you're starting or sitting this week? Um, well, because we talked about Lamar Jackson so much on the other pod, I actually went over to the Cincinnati side and um, I'm, I'm sitting the red rifle Andy Dalton um, without AJ Green. You kind of expected Tyler Boyd to step up and take over um, duties, but I think he's just a really good complimentary number two wide receiver. I mean, AJ Green, friend of the podcast, is just mm. phenomenal, and we never say bad things about AJ Green. So it's really hard to step in and fill in his shoes, and I think that really limited what the Bengals' offense could do. Um, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards since week five, so that definitely impacts Andy Dalton's fantasy value. Um, and also, Baltimore's pass defense is just too tough. Like, if there's any um, group of defenders, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, sack specialists or uh, defenders in the secondary or great groups of linebackers, the Baltimore secondary is probably the best one um, in terms of pass defenders from corners to safeties in the league. So. Yeah, uh, NFC North battles are just really hard to gauge in general. So I'm I'm wary on Andy Dalton. Yeah, I like that call. I'm also wary on Joe Mixon this week because he's also been kind of hit or miss recently since he's come back from injury. And Baltimore's defense is still legit, and I still put a lot of faith in them. Um, and and I just I think I think Joe Mixon could be. I think it's going to be kind of a rough playoff stretch for Joe Mixon. So I'm not entirely sold on him rest of the season. Yeah, it was kind of like the Panthers against the Steelers, where things just started going wrong for the Bengals last week, and then yeah. it just completely went off the rails and they crashed and burned, and we had to watch it anyway. Yeah, my take on Lamar Jackson in a league where you must roster two quarterbacks, I've dropped Andy Dalton for. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar, baby! He's going to lead Clark to a championship. 
I can't wait. Most glorious thing in the world. The live studio audience gives you a rousing applause for Lamar Jackson. I love rousing an audience. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to the games of the week. We got three left. And like Clark alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, he's done because he talks about the AFC South and none of those games (laughs) ever make it into games of the week. Um, We'll start off, Jordan, with your team. The uh, Green Bay Packers taking on the Seattle Seahawks. And what could actually be a very good Thursday night game? Well, not even could be. I'm already uh, selling it as one of the top games this week because of all the history there. Um, And you're in Seattle where some things went down in recent history that we don't like to talk about. Jordan, what do you like in this game? Yeah, uh, Seattle's kind of, I mean, we joke about it, but it's their unofficial rivalry um for a team that's not in their division because these teams have just whether that's in the playoffs or in the regular season have had quite the battle over the past couple years now um i'm sticking with a no-brainer start and that's aaron jones um so seattle is 20th and rushing DVOA. um he leads the league in yards per carry and i think he's just all around has eclipsed Jamal Williams. Um, He's got a pretty decent catch percentage. And um, there have been clips floating around on the internet that you can find where Aaron Jones is really finishing pass blocks and is really um, turning into a guy that can pick up the blitz really well. I know that for whatever reason, people like to point to that as his fault, but I think for whatever reason, Mike McCarthy finally figured out that you just have to have your best running back on the field for most downs. So, um, yeah, I think this game will be played fairly close and that Jones will have just a regular amount of opportunities. Game script's not going to affect him. I like the Aaron Jones pick, but I love more this growing trend of Jordan throwing shade at Nick when he's not on the podcast for constantly saying that Jamal Williams can only has to be on the field because he's a pass blocker. And Jordan always is quick to be like, Aaron Jones, there's footage out there of him pass blocking successfully. So suck it, everyone who thinks that Jamal Williams needs to be on the field. You know what? It's not specific shade being thrown at any one person. It is blanketed shade over everyone who thinks Aaron Jones is bad at anything because Aaron Jones is a perfect running back, and I will not say anything bad about him. This is uh, this is me in my perfect host role, pushing all the buttons, creating controversy <laughs> so it gets the people coming back to the show. Speaking of creating controversy here, uh, I know you're a huge Mike McCarthy fan, Jordan, so... <laughs> I'll just ask, at what point do you hold a coach responsible for clearly not starting the best player for several weeks because he's dumb, and then said player just proving that he's absolutely the best player? Aaron Jones should have been starting since week three, and now we know that, and it's week 11. So when are they going to fire Mark McCarthy? I have no idea. It makes me wonder if there was something going on a little bit more there, whether that was like... Mike McCarthy is just salty because Aaron Jones got a two-game suspension for weed. Maybe he's just really old-fashioned and hates people that smoke weed. Um, Like, maybe he's just in the doghouse? I don't know. But at the same time, I feel like, just based on his performance over the past couple weeks even, that Mike McCarthy might have cost his team one or two wins just because he refused to run the ball with his best running back and throw an injured Aaron Rodgers to go hobbling around in the pocket trying to complete passes. 
I, I still want him gone. I don't care if they make the playoffs. There's yeah. a statute of limitations, and I feel like him and Sean Payton were on the same like timeline because they both only won one Super Bowl like 10 years ago. But Sean Payton has proved that he can adapt and evolve, whereas Mike McCarthy is still not that guy. That's a good, that's a good comparison. I approve of that. Uh, let's move on to another game on the uh, games of the week. And that is the Minnesota Vikings heading to Chicago to take on the Bears. And who'd have thunk at the beginning of the season that this would have been a game of the week that the Chicago Bears would be leading the NFC North. Whoo, hot diggity. Um, my starter for this game is Stefan Diggs. And I kind of feel like he's been an afterthought this season. I know he's had some injuries that he's been kind of dealing with. and But in comparison to the fact that Adam Thielen has just been... Whoo, blowing up the whole fantasy world. Uh, Stiggs has still been very productive. Uh, and actually, fun little factoid for all you people listening to the podcast, has been most productive on the road this season. He's averaging 9.5 receptions and 93.8 yards per game on the road versus five catches uh, for 53 yards per game uh, at home. I'm all about my averages this week, clearly. Uh, the Bears have allowed the 13th most points to wide receivers and included including a couple of big games to wide uh, to outside guys like uh, Devontae Adams, Josh Gordon, uh, D- uh, Deshaun Jackson, Kenny Galladay. So I could definitely see Stefan Diggs coming back healthy. He's rested, uh, having a couple big touchdowns, a couple big plays, um, and be a big uh, explosive catalyst for the uh, Vikings offense this week. Yeah, I think the Vikings have been fairly up and down this year as well but if the bears actually pull out this victory that'll probably be the best team that they've actually posted a w against i mean they beat the seahawks but that was like kind of before their offensive line started playing well and they were still i mean there's i still feel like they're trying to figure it out they're only four and six but yeah um i like stefan Diggs um against the bears because i still don't think the I don't are that good. I don't think the Bears secondary is that good. I feel like their front, obviously their front four is like Mm. tops in the, in the league. And I think their linebacking core is pretty solid, but I feel like you can pass on this team as long as you're able to, you know, be able to get some uh, protection up front. Not to say the Vikings are the best offensive line, but I think they can get some time for Kirk Cousins, and I think he'll be able to make plays down the field. And I think Stefan Diggs is going to be the main beneficiary of that. So there you go. Yeah. Bears have really good safeties, I will say, not but not like cornerbacks. I was watching the game from the opening whistle to the final whistle against the Lions, and you can't really gauge how good they are because the Lions just look like everything is a struggle for them on offense right now. They have like the offensive yips, and I, I just don't know if the Bears are truly good. Yep. Thumbs up from Clark. <laughs> Uh, and then the final game of the week, obviously, we alluded to it earlier. We talked about it when I thought that the uh, Chargers and Rams were playing at the same time. Uh, this is the biggest game of the week. This is going to be an epic showdown of epic proportions between epic teams and epic coaches and epic quarterbacks and epic everything you could possibly want in a single football game. And I think this is the Monday night game, if I'm wrong. Uh, correct me. But if I'm not wrong, don't tell me anything and just go with it. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs at L.A. to take on the Rams. Jordan, this has to be a game where you just start everyone and just sit down and just purely spectate the joy of football. Basically, you're starting everyone. Um, 
this is the game that is like the exact opposite of the spectrum compared to getting the Giants and 49ers <laughs> um, last week. But I, my my thing is that if you if you're looking for if you have like a QB controversy, I might be sitting Jared Goff. Um, so this is with the caveat of you possibly having somebody else that might be averaging over 20 points per game at QB, um, of which there are 11 other than Goff um, in the league right now. And there are even a few guys who are really good that are close to it, like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. Um, I, I think the best course of action um, is for the rams to run the ball because casey is just dead last in running efficiency and um again going back to game script i don't think this is going to be a situation where the rams have to play catch up the entire time and pass the ball even if they can't even if they do have to todd Gurley is going to eat in the passing game as well but kansas city is sneakily uh number two against wide receiver ones and number one against wide receiver twos. so without cooper cup they could struggle in the pass game ever so slightly so if you're having a a QB conundrum. I, I might lean towards the other guy. That's I I know I might have gotten some uh some some upturned noses and some scoffs at my sits, but sitting Jared Goff against the Kansas City Chiefs defense is a is a ballsy play. I mean, I'm in the camp of just start Jared Goff no matter what at this point. But if you're having a a situation where maybe you have another guy like for example, Cam Newton somehow even though he struggled last week, I would look more towards him. Yeah, I'm just wondering if we see Travis Kelsey get 200 yards in this game or just 180. Mm, probably just 180. Maybe, maybe if we're lucky, 182. Oh, man. I'm is hoping this, so. Clark, is this going to be like where you needed whatever it is, 30 points from Odell Beckham, and he got you 27.3 <laughs> or whatever? No, we've just we've seen a lot of tight ends have really good games against the Rams, and we've seen a lot of mediocre tight ends have decent games against the Rams. So on top of this being a shootout, uh, for those of us who missed out on Gronk a couple of times and settled for Kelsey, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Well, for those of us who missed out on Gronk and settled for Kelsey, you're reaping the benefits right now because Gronk has been hot. It's interesting. Okay. I'm going to write an article about this tomorrow slash when this podcast comes out today. But I wanted to I want to do a little pre-show or pre pre-writing conversation here because I was very surprised by this. So I, I posted out a bunch of polls on the Twitter sphere uh, talking about who you'd want for the rest of the season. And for my tight ends, I said, which tight end do you want rest of the season? Ben Watson, Jeff Hoyerman, Vance McDonald, or Gronk? And 44% of almost a hundred votes all said Gronk. And I was like, mm, do you? Do you really want Gronk for the rest of the season? Do we trust that Gronk is going to play? Do we trust that Gronk is going to be good? Do we trust that Gronk is going to have fantasy relevance in the last six games of this season? I'm not so sure. To me, a lot of that is who you put him up against. There's no real stud, there's no real standouts there. Like you're hoping Ben Watson gets you 20 yards and a touchdown. Oh, Vance McDonald, Clark, you didn't listen to Tuesday's podcast and a little sound clip we posted. I'm all on the Vance McDonald train rest of the season. Could be a situation in which Gronk has not really been injured, but in Patriots fashion, just been on the injury port as like a maintenance. And once they get to December, they're obviously going to make the playoffs and probably win their division. So it's like, we're going to unleash him when we're ready. The only caveat with that then would be uh, definitely not playing week 17 and possibly not week 16, depending right. on how the seeding goes. 
I could see, I could see him if if Gronk, if they are doing that and they are have been resting Gronk and they're saving him for the right moments to play him. This week is that time. Like they are coming off of a horrible offensive performance. Uh, well, they have a bye, I guess, this week. So this week is not the time. Next week is the time because uh, they're coming off of a very bad offensive performance and they need to get him involved in that offense. Clearly, still. Uh, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I was just, I was, I was, intru- I was. It was interesting to see how much that name still carried weight, despite the fact that he has been a massive letdown. This week. Yeah, some asshole on this podcast was touting him all year. What a preseason. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, I love Gronk. I'm a big fan of his um, on and off the field because I think he's just hilarious. But I I generally stay away from him in fantasy drafts because yeah. he, he goes too soon for me. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, how many games am I going to get out of this guy? It's like truly. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's your week 11 starts and sits. Got a lot of sits for you this week, which I like. Spicing it up. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Leave us reviews on Stitcher and, and iTunes. You can also leave us review on Twitter. Uh, feel free to tweet at us and tell us, hey, you guys are doing all right. Mediocre at best, uh, or great. All those things are, are applicable. Not nothing negative. You don't like that. Um, if you have a negative review, send it to at NFL Clark. That's Clark's handle. Uh, you can follow me at Pete M. Rogers. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith twenty seven. Uh, we will be back at you guys next week uh, to talk all kinds of stuff on Tuesday. And until then, good luck this week and peace. <laughs>